Come on, you know it's good when you clap at a video. How good? Open Heaven is an event for the Church of Auckland. Let me remind you that when God's people gather and pray, heaven hears and God answers. And more than cheaper houses and filled water reservoirs and infrastructure, more than anything else that our city might need, our city needs a move of God. Could I encourage you to prioritize getting in the room for Open Heaven on the 2nd of February? If you want to join the Dream Team in serving on that day as one of the ushers, we need more people. And Elam Christian Center is one of the major partnering churches and pulling that whole event off, you can jump onto your Facebook group, Elam Christian Center City. There will be a link somewhere in there. Whoever runs that, pin it to the top. Go find it, register yourself, and turn up to help us welcome people as we believe for God to move in Auckland. Is that good? It's going to be an amazing event. And I'm telling you, you've got to get into the room because it's going to be an amazing time as we believe for God to move in our city. You guys doing well this morning? I'm Adam, but you can call me Frosty. Say, hey, Frosty. It's not because I'm pale and blonde. My surname is Frost, and that's how it came about, but it is so good to see you this morning. I was here just a couple of weeks ago, and what a blessing that was. Honestly, I have to uh, commend and point out and honor the incredible job that your worship team did this morning. It was amazing. And this is not just a token get up and say something nice about someone. Like genuinely, as I stood there and I worshiped God, uh, the presence of God was so strong. And God gave me this really clear picture of, of, I don't know if it's original, but he gave it to me. So take it up with him if you've got a problem. It was like an iceberg. And I, I felt like looking at the worship team and the tech team and the creative team, it's like an iceberg. There is so much under the surface. And we only get to see the little part that pokes out the top, but that little part blesses us so much. The work they put in, the investment, the prayer, the practice, everything they do so they can lead us into moments of worship with God is so incredible. We honor you, Dan and the team. Church, one more time, put a hand together and honor your amazing worship team. It was incredible. And this brother on the bass guitar, my gosh, he could lead to millions. He's got the energy for it. I love it. All right, we are in our series called Promises, and I got a message for you this morning called Better Together. Everyone say Better Together. Uh, I don't know about you, but I feel like if 2020 reminded us of anything, it was to focus on the things that matter most, the things that enrich us, the things that grow us, the things that we are called to, the things that really matter. Not temporary things like our career, our homes, or our hobbies, but the things that our souls actually cry out for. And Jesus gives us an amazing black and white example of what that looks like in Matthew 22 from verse 37. Maybe you've heard it before. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And it says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's saying, love God with everything that you've got and prioritize your love for human relationships. Even when we throw it back right to the, to the Garden of Eden, what happened? God created man, and then he says, it is not good for man to be alone. This is the promise I want to unpack for us together today. Although God completes us, although God makes us whole, although it's only God that can restore us, together as people, we are better together. We're better together. Uh, but how many people here know, and I know you've experienced before, being together sounds good on paper, but it's not always clean and nice. Being together can be a bit messy, right? It can bring disagreements, arguments, not seeing eye to eye, different perspectives and values. Being together can result in hurt, in pain, in confusion, and disappointment. And yet, with all of that chucked in the mix, we are still better together. 
That's why it says in Proverbs 1.33, where there is unity, God commands a blessing. That's why in Proverbs 27.17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend would sharpen another friend. Ecclesiastes 4 says one person could be attacked. Two is even stronger, but three is like a triple-braided cord that cannot easily be broken. And in 1 Corinthians 12, it alludes to us, God's people, the gathering is like a body. Well, we all have an important part to play, and we help each other grow. We have a special opportunity right at the start of the year to consider what sort of community we might build, what we might focus on. Because if we want to stay the same, guess what? You can stay right where you are. We don't need to do a whole lot to stay the same. If we want to just look inward and make it all about ourselves, that will happen automatically if we choose to do nothing. I remember this time about two years ago, gathering a group of people in what is now our youth room for what would eventually become Elam Christian Center Papakura. I can't believe it's been two years already. And as we gathered in that room, it was amazing because Darcy and I, we knew every single person's name. There's about 90 to 100 people in those early days. We knew every person's name. We knew the name of every single child. We had had a coffee with every single person, and we knew part of their journey. We were journeying with them. It was so nice knowing everyone, if I'm to be honest. It was so nice knowing that every single person had a place and a space to belong. And the selfish part of every person in the room wanted it to stay like that. But we knew that was not the reason for which we had gathered. And so from day one, Darcy and I committed ourselves to sounding like a broken record. I'm like, I don't care how much they get sick of this. We have one message and it is clear that we are not gathering just for ourselves. But we had to passionately and urgently go after the community that God had placed us in. And over time, it's not a surprise, things started to change. More people started to come in. God says he draws people unto himself and he will build his church. People started to make their way in and it started to change because the people that were in the room that day, they were culture carriers. They knew what it meant to be on mission. And so as other people came in and they were welcomed so well on the door, in the parking lot, when someone smiled and greeted them and made them a coffee, when someone welcomed them to their seat, all parts that the dream team played, when they were welcomed in, they got a sense that something was happening here. And I know it's the same here at our city campus that this is a place on mission. This is a place that is moving. This is a place where God wants to do more. And so these people were welcomed into the team and they too joined on the same mission. And now we find ourselves, Darcy and I, at a place where we don't know everyone's name. Like it's awkward now because it gets past the point where you can't ask anymore. You've just got to pretend. Um, (laughs) Embarrassing, I know. It's, just, it's growing and it's exciting. And I know many people are coming new into this campus every Sunday. You might be new today. It's at the point where we don't know everyone's name. We haven't met everybody. We haven't had that chance to have a coffee and sit down and learn about their journey. But can I tell you this, Hemi Church, this is a good problem. This is actually a good thing because this was always part of God's plan for us. God was always going to build his church. We knew from the start we were part of something that was much bigger than us. But the beautiful picture of the kingdom of God is this, that it doesn't matter where you come from. I see many nationalities in the room today. It doesn't matter what you look like, who you voted for. It doesn't matter where in your journey you are with God. There is a place and a space for you right here. And the greatest part of the challenge that we face is God has already given us the solution. And guess what? It's sitting in your seat. It's you. As we look around and we think, well, how do we create a community where there's always space for more, where other people could come in and know the love and the grace of God and the blessing of community? The answer is you. 
See, community isn't just something that we get to be a part of. It's something that we've been called to build. Community isn't something that should just be a blessing, but we've been called to carry it as a burden. It's both a blessing for us and a burden that we carry. And you see, the problem can be when I stand here today and I remind you that we need community. Maybe you're thinking I've heard it all before. Maybe you've forgotten that we're not meant to just benefit from deep, rich, satisfying relationships, but you've been called of God to build that environment for others. And that's why it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and all your soul. Love others as you would love yourself. You know, the picture that God has given us at Elam Christian Center for the church is that you would be part of something that is growing, dynamic, passionate, and life-filled. You'd be part of a body that would lift your gaze to heaven and inspire you to believe for God's best. But yet in that same picture, you're not just part of a crowd. In that same picture that we have for the church here at Elam is that you would be known by name, that someone would pray for you by name that you would have a place in a space that someone would know your journey, that you would have someone that you could call at 3 a.m. if you really had to, and only if you really have to. I remember having dinner with a family in our church sometime mid to late last year. Um, Mike and Joe Gilmore, they're amazing. And I was around at their, their house for dinner, and I remember before we, we ate and we sat on the couch, we were just hanging out, and Mike's an older man. I say older, he's not old, he's just older than me. He was maybe mid-40s, so real young. And he was chatting to me on the couch, and he said, Adam, I don't know if you've got anyone that you can call at 3 a.m. if you have to, but if you need that person, I can be that person. Now, listen, I haven't had to take him up on the offer yet, but can I tell you what that did for my soul? It gave me peace. It gave me assurance. It felt right to connect with someone that was placing value on my life and on my journey. The picture of the church is that we are better together. And the Bible says that every promise of God is yes in Christ Jesus, but get this, and this is important, it's amen by us. So there's a part that we play in it. Every promise is yes in Christ Jesus, but we amen the promise. We engage with the promise. We have to be intentional in working it out. I don't know if you've noticed, now that you're an adult, community doesn't just happen. You know when you're a kid and you're like, go to school, and it's like, we're friends. I'm just friends with everyone. That's just how it happens. But as you get older, you realize you can't walk into a room like this and just immediately be friends. We actually have to be intentional. We actually have to take steps and, and make moves and be mindful of what's going on. We need to be mindful of those around us who are not connected. You need to know that it's the Christian's responsibility to notice the outcast, but not stop there. To notice the outcast, the one not connected, and then actually do something about it to not get so consumed in our own little bubble that we forget to walk across the room and connect somebody else in. Small groups, amazing. Not just a church idea, but God's idea for community. And there is always more space for small groups. You should be in one. Church, church is a place where there is always room for more. If you like it the way that it is, you should go before God. This church is going to continue to grow and reach more people because that is his heart and that is our heart here at Elam. There's this young adult guy in our church, an amazing guy, and he now leads our tech team, and he's a legend. Um, I remember him telling me the story when him and his wife first joined us in those launch team gatherings before we officially started as a church. And he told me this. He said, when I came with my wife, we had been connected into church a few years ago, but we weren't really connected at the time. And he said, as I walked in, I thought, pfft. 
I don't need any more friends. He's like, I'm sweet. Like, I don't even know what this place can give me. I don't really see the point in coming here. He was focused on what he could get. And as he walked in, he thought, I don't need any more friends. Can I tell you, maybe that was true for Brad. Maybe Brad walking in didn't need any more friends. Maybe Brad did feel connected. Maybe Brad did feel supported. And as he walked in, maybe he didn't need any more friends, but maybe somebody needed a Brad. Maybe as you turn up today, not really feeling it, already feeling close to God, already in a small group, already feeling connected, maybe we could shift our gaze and go, but how might God use me today? How might God use me to welcome somebody else into the family? You may not need someone right now, but someone might need you. There's this beautiful picture of the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. It says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. It's amazing. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture where nobody misses out. That's a picture where nobody is excluded. That's a picture of the church where everybody has a place. And as Jesus walked around gathering his disciples, you know what I noticed as I read about that in scripture? Is he walked around and he wasn't looking for people who already believed what he believed, because at that stage not many did. He didn't walk around looking for people that were like all styly with their Gucci sand slippers and their desert chic outfits. He wasn't just looking for the cool people. But he walked along and he saw someone and he said, you, come hang out with me. You, come hang out with me. You, oh, you you two aren't going to get along. That's going to be hilarious. Who cares? Come hang out with us. He was showing us God's heart, that there was always a place for someone to belong. Now, look, not everyone in your life needs to be super close like Peter, James, and John were to Jesus, but there was a place for everybody. Could 2021 be the year where we are intentional with spending time with God, but also intentional with the network that he created us within to prioritize human relationship, but to understand that there is a part and a responsibility that we each have in building that for others. I've got a few thoughts that I think are going to help us build this life-giving community uh, this morning. The first one is this, and if you've got the Elam app, it should be in your notes there, or you can write it on a piece of paper. You do what you've got to do, but the first one is this. Turn up. Turn up. Be present. Actually be courageous and cross the line. Turn up when it's hard and turn up when it's easy. Because when it's easy and you're feeling good, guess what? That's a moment that God wants to use you to bring healing and comfort to somebody else's life. Your presence matters more than you have ever given it credit for. I've been reading the book of Job at the moment. And if you know the book of Job, this guy had everything in his life stripped away from him. Like this is the, the worst life. It was terrible. And the story goes that when he's sitting in absolute anguish and mourning for everything that he's lost, he's in a bad place, his three friends hear about it. And his three friends turn up and they sit by Job. And I love how it describes this. It says, the three friends sat there for seven days and said nothing, for they could see that his suffering was unbearable. It would have been much easier for the friends to stay distant. 
It would have been much easier for the friends to go, we'll pray for you, brother, from afar. But there was something about the friends, even though they ended up being more trouble than they were worth, there was something about them that knew if I could just get close, maybe I could help. If I could actually just sit by, even if I've got nothing to say, it would bring comfort to our friend Job. There was something about turning up, and nothing says I care more than turning up in person. Remember at the very start of 2012, uh, my dad passed away unexpectedly uh, by a heart attack. I say unexpectedly, he smoked about two packs a day for 40 years, but we didn't expect it to happen at the time. And all of a sudden, he was gone. And I remember, obviously, my close friends had heard about that. I'd passed the message on, and we got to the funeral, and there I was, not really focused on what was happening, except, um, obviously, the central thing of the day, which was honoring my dad. And I remember seeing my friend Sam, him and his whole family turned up to the funeral. And none of my friend Sam, none of his family had ever met my dad, but they turned up there in person, and I was blown away. Now, not many words were exchanged that day between me and them. I don't know if I even actually spoke to them, but can I tell you, there's not many moments I would struggle to count more than five times in my life where I felt more seen, more considered, more supported, because there's something about turning up in person for people. I need to remind you today that if you are a Christian in this room, you are a minister. Are that scary? You're like, no, you're the minister. No, actually, I'm a pastor, and your pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. You are a minister. And that means that you are God's mouthpiece. That means you carry the anointing to see miracles, to see healing. You carry resurrecting power. And so God wants to use you in all sorts of different environments, but you've got to turn up to do it. You Exactly as you are. Broken? Yep. Sometimes hurting? Yes. Imperfect? Yes. Nervous? Yes. Anxious? Yes. Introvert? Extrovert? Somewhere in between? Yes. 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 It is in our weakness that God's strength finds a perfect place to work. So turn up, not just because of how God might use you, but actually it's because what you need more than you realize. You know, back in the day, I used to go to the gym. Don't laugh, because I clearly don't look like I've ever been to the gym. Um, this was many, many years ago, um, you know, before I was married, and you, you trying to, yeah. <laughs> went to the gym, and I was hard out. I went, like, every day for three months straight. I tried to, like, eat the right things and everything. But can I be honest? Every, even though I went to the gym every single day, I didn't work out properly every single day. No way. There were days where I woke up and the last thing I felt like doing was going to the gym. Anyone with me? No, liars. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I didn't feel like going to the gym. It was the last thing I felt like doing. But you know what I did? I got into my gym gear. I hopped in the car. I drove down to the gym and I sat on an exercise machine with headphones in my ears and I played some games on my phone. And then I got up and I wandered around to another machine and I sat down and I sort of half did a set with nothing on the bar, you know, warm up, warm up, and then send a few text messages. Wander over to the water cooler, have a glass of water, pretend like I'm working out and I need a drink. Wander around a bit longer, eye on the clock, if I can do a good 45 minutes. And then I went home. And now you might laugh and go, Frosty, that's not how it works. I am well aware that's not how it works. But can I tell you why that was a victory? Because I maintained my habit of going. The next day I turned up and I put in a huge effort. See, if I had just not gone, I would have gotten used to not turning up. 
But even though it wasn't a successful workout and there was no gains in my physical development, there was gains in maintaining a habit that I knew was good for me. I was able to come back and maintain my habit. Can I say sometimes you just need to turn up to church when you don't feel like it to maintain a habit and a rhythm that you know in your heart is good for you. Sometimes you need to turn up to small group, demolish the bowl of chocolates, drink a cup of tea, say amen at the end of the prayer and go home. And that is a win in more ways than one. Because you maintained the habit of going. Sometimes you've got to turn up to the birthday party. You've got to keep the coffee date. You've got to go to brunch with your parents, not because that one moment will change your life forever, but because you can't afford to let the enemy of community sneak into your life. One of the greatest, biggest lies the enemy will throw in your face on the daily is that you will be just fine without community. It's a lie. You believe the lie that, oh, I just, I like being by myself. I'm an independent person. I've mastered being content. Look, you can be all of those things, but to not be intentional with community is to step away from how God designed your soul to flourish. Deep, enriching, fulfilling, satisfying, challenging human relationship is the second most significant gift that God has given us. The first is the ability to know Him and the forgiveness He offers in order to make that possible. And the second is relationship. So turn up, be present, trust God in the process. I wonder if this is the year that we could see with more clarity the value of person-to-person relationship in our lives. And not just that you would benefit from it, but that you would understand the call to carry the burden to build it for others. We need to turn up. Second thing, we need to speak up. We need to speak up. Look, if community doesn't just happen, which we're well aware that it doesn't, then the way that we're intentional means everything. And I reckon there's two main ways that we can speak up when it comes to building life-giving community. The first one is this. I've simply worded it, challenge. Challenge. Have you ever been challenged in public? Have you ever had someone yell at you and tell you how to drive? Anyone? Yeah, no, me neither. I was just, yeah, no, no, no. Just checking if you had. The reason we don't like being challenged is because we get all defensive. We don't like to be challenged by other people. We don't want to be challenged because it says in Proverbs 12, 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. How good's the Bible? You dumb. If you hate being challenged, you dumb. That's what the Bible says, but it says stupid. The hard thing about being corrected and correct me if I'm wrong, is that you only like it when you know the person actually cares about you. Because you don't care how much somebody knows until you know how much they care. Isn't that true? Jesus was the master of building relationships, get this, so that he would have right standing with people that he could gently and correctly challenge them at the time that was right. There's this one time that Peter blurts something out, like, Jesus, you don't need to go to the cross, God forbid. Now we know very much so now that he very much did need to go to the cross. And this is how Jesus responds to his good friend Peter. He turns to him and he says, Satan, get behind me, which is a crazy response. Can you imagine a good friend saying that to you? And when I read that, I think that's amazing. But you know what's even more amazing? Peter didn't turn around and go, no, I'm going to go make new friends. Peter didn't turn from Jesus as he said that and say, I don't need that negativity in my life. I'm going to go find people that will tell me what I want to hear. But because Peter knew that Jesus cared, Jesus really cared about Peter, Peter was able to accept that correction well. Hebrews 12, 11 
It says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But, but afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. What Jesus did and what we can learn from is he made regular deposits into his relationships so that when the time came, he had something to draw out of. And if you prioritize close human relationships, it allows people to speak into your life without you getting all worked up and offended, which is a good thing because gentle, godly correction is what all of us need. It allows us to learn. It allows us to grow. It allows us to be better. Removing yourself from an environment where you are challenged and corrected is to remove yourself from the opportunity to grow and become better. We need to speak up. Second thing we can do in speak up, so first is challenge, and the second is this, share your struggles. Galatians chapter six, verse one to two. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. He's saying, be careful with that. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, one of the most beautiful aspects of godly community is that the weight that you carry in life, which you will either now or later or in the past, can rest upon more shoulders. Bottling up your struggles and not sharing them, listen to me, it isn't brave. It isn't private. It's not what perseverance looks like. Actually, it's just a misunderstanding of how God designed his people. It's biblical and godly to help those around us who are struggling, to listen to their pain and try our best to feel what they feel, to commit yourself to prayer daily for those around you who are doing it tough. You know, as a pastor, I've sat with many people and I've heard of many struggles, many of them being far more common than people realize. And usually the way forward is just one small step followed by another small step. And on many occasions, I've sat there and I've listened. I've offered very little guidance or advice, but I've just done my best to make sure that that person feels truly heard. And on so many occasions, that person has stood up. They said, I feel so much better, like a weight has been lifted. Confession, I did nothing. I just committed myself to listening and helping them feel heard. But the truth is there is something restoring and healing about sharing our challenges with those around us that care. Stop thinking that you sharing your challenges with others is placing an unnecessary burden on them because actually the call of God on their life is to help carry the burdens of others. That's what community is for. You have to read your own dials though, right? We have to be realistic. Not every person is prepared and ready to help carry every struggle. Maybe I could say it like this. Heaviness is not just a sign of your struggle. It can be an indication of your lack of community. Not always. But sometimes when you feel heavy and you feel burdened, it's not just a sign that you're struggling. Maybe it's a sign that you don't have enough community around you because community lightens the load. Even Jesus understood that and was always getting people close to him even when he was struggling. Matthew 26 says, Then Jesus went with him to a place called Gethsemane. It was a garden. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And get this. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So he got there. He grabbed a couple of people. He went over to another place. And then he began to feel sorrowful. 
Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death, remain here and watch with me. We all go through tough times. We do. But you don't have to suffer in silence. Speak up. Reach out. And if someone reaches out to you, consider it God prompting you to help bring healing and restoration to their life. We are in this together. We need to turn up. We need to speak up. And finally, we need to step up. And band, you guys could join me now. That would be amazing. We need to step up. I came this morning to challenge every person in this room that it's time to be a leader. It's time to invite people, to organize and initiate, to look for those not connected, to be part of a team that would build a community where there's always place for more, where everyone has a place and a space. I was chatting to my good friend Adrian Daniel the other day. He leads our online campus. I think he may have preached here recently or is about to. don't know, one of those. Um, and he and his wife recently bought a new home in a development um, in a place called Oranga, really close to Papakura campus, so that's quite handy for him. I'm going to convince him to come. And he was telling me that when they were selling the home, they weren't just selling a house. They were trying to sell a lifestyle. There's all these houses, and there's a nice stream that goes by, and the homes have these little balconies that you can wave at people as they ride their bikes. I've never seen that happen, but apparently that, this is the dream that they're selling. You're not just buying a home. You're buying a lifestyle. You're buying a vision. You're buying into community. And what they've done is there's really cool initiatives. They've got these community barbecues. They've got these other little things in place that help the different residents meet each other. And I was chatting to Adrian, and I was like, this is so interesting because they've done all these initiatives, but the people turning up to the events are the people that have already bought homes. So I was like, there's no financial incentive to do this. Like the developers already have those people's money. They're not trying to sell it to people who have already bought in. And as we thought about this, it suddenly dawned on us, maybe, just maybe, hard to believe sometimes with developers, who knows, maybe money's not the motivator. Maybe these developers are hoping in 20 years' time they can look back and go, we had a hand in the birth of a real community, something that would stand the test of time, not just a place where people lived, but a place where people knew each other, that who would be connected, that could babysit, that could cook meals, a place that would actually be community, and that would be their legacy. Can I tell you that there is no greater legacy to commit your life to than one that creates space for people to belong? And so I want to speak on behalf of Pastor Mike and Liz and say, you need more people to, speak, to step up and be small group leaders. As long as there is someone in this room that's not part of a small group, we need to create more space for them. We need more people to step up and walk across the room and invite that new couple out to lunch. We need more people to go through growth track so you can discover your gifts, what makes you unique and why that matters so that you can join the dream team and help us welcome people in and connect them with others. We need people in this room to be able to ask others, how are you going? And get this, then actually care about the response. Come on, we're all as guilty as one another. We say, how are you? And we don't give one second of thought as to how they respond. We need people in this room to feel safe to be able to answer that question and say, I'm not doing too well, and for that to be okay. We need people to seek out every opportunity to invite people into church, not so that we could fill a room, so that we could fill heaven, so that people's lives would be filled with the presence of God, so that people could find the community that their soul longs out for. Let me challenge you with this. Don't let your comfort be the reason for somebody else's disconnect. 
The promise, it's simple. We are better together. There's a place for you. You matter, you count, and we see you. You know, I believe with all my heart that God has called every person in this room, myself included, to step up when it comes to intentionally building community. It doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be daunting. It's about having eyes to see those that God brings across your path and carrying an urgency to be used by God to build something that truly matters, to turn up, to speak up, and to step up. As I finish, I'm reminded of Jesus always when I think of community. If Jesus is our example, isn't it interesting that even up until his final moments, he never stopped inviting people to be close, inviting people to be part of his family. Relationship has always been his goal. And as he's hanging there on the cross, a criminal hanging on his left and a criminal hanging on his right, one of the criminals mocks Jesus. And the other one says, essentially, I'll rephrase it, are you crazy that you don't even fear God when you've been sentenced to die? And then he says to Jesus, Jesus, would you remember me when you come into your kingdom and get this response? He says, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Not today you get to go to a beautiful place where there's no pain, there's no weeping. There's only freedom and life and hope. But he says, you get to be there with me. That was always his goal. And he says in John 14, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Maybe you're in the room today and you're in a crowded room, but if you're to be honest, you feel a little alone. You feel a bit detached. You hear of this God that so desperately wants to know us, but if you were to be honest, you would say, I don't know Jesus like a close friend. I haven't asked him into my life. Well, we always do this in our services because we always believe God is speaking to people. In just a moment, I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. And it's a prayer that could change your life and your eternity forever. It's a prayer where you're asking for God's forgiveness in your life. You're acknowledging what Jesus did on the cross. And the Bible says, this is his promise, that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. That you would receive forgiveness for your past, new life right now, and an eternity in heaven with him. I'm just going to invite everyone to close their eyes right where you are. Close your eyes and bow your heads. Listen, we're actually all in the same boat. We've all sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all fall short of the standard needed to access heaven and know God. But the Father sent his son Jesus to take upon a cross the punishment that your sin and my sin deserved. And by doing that, by taking that punishment, he allows you and I to walk free. Free from bondage, free from the change chains, free from the shackles that life tries to throw at us. And today he wants to make you brand new. Listen, you don't need to get your life in order. Jesus will walk that out with you one step at a time, but he wants your surrender today. I'm going to pray a prayer out loud. You pray this in your heart. You mean it with everything that you've got. This is your moment where your life and your eternity change forever. Say, dear God, I acknowledge that I've sinned. 
I've chosen my own way above your way, but today, God, I've had enough doing it in my own strength, and I ask you into my life. Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you make me brand new today? I ask you to come in as my Lord, the one I can trust to guide me. I ask you to come in as my Savior, the only one who could pay that price. And I commit my whole life to you right now, holding nothing back. With every eye still closed and head still bowed, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I tell you what, heaven is rejoicing and God couldn't be happier. In just a moment, I'm going to get you to do something nice and brave, every eye closed. In just a moment, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you to lift your hand nice and high. On the count of three, I'll see it. You can put it straight back down. I just want to know who I'm going to be continuing to pray for this week. You prayed that prayer. You meant it. You want to get your life right with God. Lift your hand nice and high in three, two, one. Go now. Yes. Yes. Amazing. On the, on the right over here, a couple of ladies over there. Awesome. At the back, I see you. That's so good. God loves you. Awesome over here. I see you. Awesome. Anyone else, you prayed that prayer. You meant it. You want to start that journey the first time or coming back to God today. Just a few more moments. If you haven't lifted your hand, you want to go now. Awesome. Well, church, I'm going to pray and then we're going to celebrate with all those that gave their life to Jesus this morning. God, I thank you that you are alive, that you were close, that you were personal. And I pray for transformation on the life of every hand that was lifted. And even those that prayed the prayer but didn't lift their hand, I know, God, that you see them. God, would you restore them? Would you renew them? Would you give them purpose for their life? We pray for that and we ask for that and we celebrate it in Jesus' name. Amen.